Alexander Snitker, libertarian, Republican, and political hack, and Adrian Wiley, born-again anarchist and political has-been. Banter, blather, and joke about current events while attempting to figure out whether to keep trying to salvage our constitutional republic or just stock up on marshmallows to roast on the smoldering embers of society. It's time for Unattended Baggage. Why, thank you, Ledge. Hello, everyone in Podcastville or Internet Land or wherever you may reside. This is Alex, co-host, Unattended Baggage. Along with me is my radio life mate, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Adrian, chairman of the Building Materials Projectile Staging and Logistics Committee of the Western Florida Guild of Professional Anarchists, Local Chapter 151, Wiley. How are you, sir? I, I would have to say that my overall sentiment today is impressed. Impressed? Why is that? I, I'm impressed with you, first and foremost, uh, because I don't think we've ever had uh, so much content in the show notes uh, as we do this week, and I was responsible for very, very little of it. So, this whole new uh, non, uh, you know, night owl uh, Alex is uh, really hey, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, thank it, you, buddy. I it's appreciate nice that. to have you back. So, I appreciate. So, that. Uh, essentially, today uh, I want our listeners to know that uh, uh, whether this show is uh, fantastic or complete shit, uh, it's on Alex. So, you know, it's... Uh, no pressure. You lead off all of No pressure whatsoever. But I, actually, uh, uh, another thing I was highly impressed about was I <laughs> watched the Barbie movie last night. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> no, okay, I know. I know. I, I can see on your face. You think I'm setting up a bit here, but I, I promise you, I am not setting up a bit at all. I, you have to forgive me if I don't believe you. I, no, I, I'm, I'm, I am not being facetious whatsoever. This movie was flat out amazing. Okay, now for, forget the plot, uh, forget the performances, forget the everything. The writing in it was astounding. G- can you give me some examples? Yes. Here? The the reason being is the the psychology behind this movie made it such that no matter what your viewpoint on the world, no matter what your political bent, no matter what, you could find what you were looking for in this movie. Okay, and I'll I'll try to explain. So on the the very rudimentary surface level, it's a Disney princess type movie for kids, right? Okay. Okay. So that's that's the most um, you know, rudimentary layer. Then on the secondary layer, layer, which is you know very very out in the open, it's a um, it's designed to appeal to the you know the the teenage girl feminist, uh, the angry college student, that sort of thing. Okay, okay? All right. by you know just uh, basically the whole patriarchy and and you know that sort of thing and and but the really interesting thing that comes along is that it takes it so far over the top that it comes back to a parody of fem- feminism and a parody of the whole anti-patriarchy thing. So Do you think they did that on purpose? Yes. Oh, yes. It was brilliant. Um, and also, you have to understand that this movie was in part created by Mattel. Mattel actually launched a new uh, film division specifically for this movie obviously they're going to create an entire franchise out of it um but 
the the and and again there's multi layers to this too because if if you're you know a kid watching this movie you come away thinking Mattel is this magical place and you know it's it's a thing if you're a um you know a young feminist watching this movie you come away with the impression that Mattel is part of the patriarchy run by a bunch of men who are buffoons you know and all that and again Mattel allowed this to happen at that level Okay, because they green lighted this thing, they approved all of this, and it, it honestly they they poke fun. And again, it's in some case it depends on your perspective how they're how they're doing it, whether it's a parody or a parody of the parody. But they uh, point out the the patriarchy at at Mattel and all that, and so it, it comes all the way back around. But they do it in such a buffoonish way that you can write it off as an over the top satire, or you can see it as uh you know the 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 surface level of it and again <laughs> you have to understand that there were a bunch of people sitting in a mattel boardroom making a decision a cost benefit analysis over how bad they want to make mattel look and how ridiculous they can make it so it can be written off as too ridiculous to be true you see what i'm saying it was, it, and, and keep in mind that Mattel made hundreds of millions of dollars on this film and stands to make billions over the life of the franchise, okay? So they essentially, uh, you know, doubled their, their net profit for the year by making this film, which made them look bad on the surface, but was made in such a ridiculous way that it could be a, a parody of itself. It, it, was, it was absolutely brilliant. So no matter where you were, um, in, in anywhere on that political range, you could find the level that you wanted to settle at. Now, conversely, though, could you find something that you hated, though? No. It, it, it was a brilliant, brilliant piece of psychology. I mean, I came away. Here's the thing. Wait, my personal takeaway was it was a giant corporatist fuck you to the audience. <laughs> because the underlying fact is... We're selling you something that we're so good at providing, and we understand your psychology so well that we're going to make the same movie appeal to everyone by making everyone either angry at the wrong thing or laugh with the wrong thing. And and, and we're basically going to make money either way. And again, this is not a bit at all. It was brilliant. This was... A understanding. Like, do you think that they knew what they were doing? Oh, God, yes. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, and again, the movie basically sucked. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's fucking... It's, it's a ridiculous, stupid movie. But it was... They, Margot Robbie was hot, though, right? Oh, God, so fucking hot. Um, but they they tapped into everything. And again, it, it, I kept watching... I as, And I kept seeing the different levels, but... The bottom line is a, a, uh, a bunch of uh, really big uh, corporations and really rich and powerful men and a few women uh, basically took your money. <laughs> that's Where really the bottom it line. Uh, it's on HBO Max. I, oh, would, okay. I wouldn't pay you know, additional money, even though I did support this by having an HBO Max subscription. You but you didn't saying? have an HBO Max subscription to watch this movie. You no. just had one and it happened to be and on there. And it happened one. to be on there. Um, but yeah, it just... Yeah. Here's the thing. 
is <laughs> this sort of thing. And it, this kind of ties into AI. Okay. Now this, I don't know if any AI was involved in this, but the one thing I do know is because after, because in the film, the board was all male and they were like, you know, talking about the patriarchy and how we keep the women out and sugar, go get me some, hey, sweetie, can you go get me another cup of coffee when a, a woman walks in the room? Type yeah. of thing. And they were doing all that sort of thing. So I wanted to look at the actual Mattel board and uh, the actual Mattel board is six men and five women. So it's pretty much equally split, right? Yeah. And one of the women is actually the president of Quinnipiac University. Now, how do we know Quinnipiac University? For polling. Yeah. Okay. So, and the people on the board were people who were so, really have their pulse on the American psyche. Their finger on the pulse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, their finger on the pulse. Um, So, again, it was just... It was an absolutely brilliantly produced marketing campaign and um, basically a, a, a <laughs> you know, it, this was P.T. Barnum. Now, again, it was the, the bottom line is it was a giant fuck you. We can manipulate you and take your money. OK. OK. Because that's where I'm coming. <laughs> that's what I came away with from all of it. But just the fact that they've gotten so good at this. And it's just going to get more and more of this. They've figured out that they can actually tie into the division. You know, they can put a misogynist and a feminist in the same movie theater and have them both come away with a completely different take on the same content. Yeah, but do you really think a misogynist is going to watch the movie, though? I did. <laughs> yeah, but you're not really a misogynist. I, I've been accused of such, but you know what I'm well, saying? Well, yeah, being accused and actually being one is two different things. I, you know, I think the way they brought it around in the whole Ken, they had a whole separate Ken sideline where in the Barbie world, the the men, the Kens were oppressed. It, it, they, they did it just, it was, again, the psychology behind this was absolutely brilliant. And this tells me they've really figured it out. They've got it down to a literal science. And, you know, for a long time, they've, they've had this ability to, uh, you know, pretty much write a movie knowing how much it's going to gross. You know, yeah, they've got this pretty figured out. I mean, your addiction to the Marvel Universe is a prime example. They can figure out exactly, you know, within. A, but a, that's lost a lot of its luster, though, after the after Endgame. Well, you can do it for so long. You know, that's yeah. that's pretty much it. Um, but yeah, it's just now they've gotten to a point where they know how to push everyone's buttons in exactly the right way to not outrage anyone. You know, I mean, because there was zero, zero outrage from this film and it's because you can come away from it with so many different, it was, it was, it was like two layers of posed law. Where you didn't understand where the satire really was, and at that point you could, um, you know, uh, infer your own level of satire from it, like a Rorschach or something. Yeah, yes, it was very much a Rorschach test, you know. But it, it, and it sounds like you passed. Very, it, I was very, very impressed with it. But for not, I gotta any, tell you, I did not see any that of the same reason. Why I know, right? I did not see it coming at all. I still think you're. I still think there's a bit coming. I here's the thing. I put it on 
because my intention, I wanted to go play video games. So I was almost like putting on cartoons like you would for a kid for my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so I put on the Barbie movie and I thought, all right, I'm going to give this 10 minutes. Once she's, you know, into the film, I'm going to head out and, you know, <laughs> yeah. fire up some Call of Duty. Uh, but uh, I, I got into it and it, it hooked me on just the In way. In 10 it, minutes. Well, it, it Margot Robbie probably hooked me more than anything else, but, you well, know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, very impressive. So if, if you haven't seen that movie, Watch that movie and see if you can find all the layers of satire and all the different levels where you, you, you can't really tell whether that is the bit or the next layer is the bit or the surface layer is a bit. It's it's really impressive. But uh, anyway, that's my t- I go figure. I was very impressed by Barbie. I didn't like the movie. The movie was, you know, pretty much shit. But just the way they they did it was amazing. Are you there? Yeah, Hello? I'm here. I'm here. Hello. I'm here. Did we I'm get this thing connected? No, we we're good. I yeah. just I'm I'm in a little shock right now. <laughs> You're trying to process all that information. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> like it's just kind of funny that you're that this is your take on this movie. I yeah. mean, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. Right. You could be completely right. I just I don't I don't know. I just I, there is no scenario in which I was watching this movie. I, I think you have to watch it now from from the lens that, you know, I, I'm talking about here. And I, I think you'll be impressed with it the same way I was, you know. Wow. Again, not that it was a good movie, you know, but I just uh, it was a, a, a masterwork of manipulating the American population. You know, d- just brilliant at that. That's funny. Yeah. Which I find more and more impressive these days. And I'm glad I hope that it was actually humans doing it. I'd be less impressed if it was AI that was doing it because we know AI is becoming exceptionally good at manipulating humans. But, uh, you know, for humans to reach that level of manipulation is just it's rare. It's rare. And it's it's impressive when you see it. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Well, I'm glad glad you shared. Yeah. So when you uh, when you get in the Barbie dream house. Uh, if Margot Robbie comes with it, I'm aside to shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my first week not doing uh, Uber. Right. And uh, sleeping at night. Right. Normally, not during the day. Um, it's been. Uh, here's the thing. When you're driving in the car, you're, getting, you're working, but you're just sitting down the whole time. Right. I wasn't sitting all week long. I was up moving around. Right. You know, I, I, a lot of warehouse stuff needed to be done. And so I, you know, I had did all that stuff. I will say this by Friday, back was hurting a little bit. You know, muscles right. are sore. You know, definitely, definitely took a. You know, definitely was a, a change of pace yep. as to what I was normally dealing with. But I do feel a lot better. And you're, you're right. Like I had more time to be able to put notes in the show. Oh my god, man! Yeah, it's you just. Uh, I, I'm going to sit back and just listen to you for the rest of the show. So, so well, I hope you don't do that. I right? shot my wad on Barbie. <laughs> you shot your wad. Yes, that um, was an intentional double entendre. It was definitely yeah, one. It's a, to the but the first uh, the first thing I did want to get to though, speaking of shocks to the system, is in Argentina this week is that the new president um, Javier Malay or how how do you say it? Do you know? I think it's Malay. Malay. Yeah. Um, was sworn in this week, and like it, it was funny, like it, like. You know, the, the, like when the Washington Post does it, you know, the, the top of it is Argentina's new far right president promises to shock the system. Like, you know, if it's a guy that's a far left guy, do they actually point that out? Um, in the title, in the title, eh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, it, I think they're probably more likely to do it if it's a far right. Like it's just that bias that they have, right? Um, so and then, now I will say this though: um, it says you know Javier Malay, the libertarian econom- economist embraced by far right leaders around the world, was sworn in on Sunday as president of Argentina, an offer he won on promises to slash government spending and dramatically transform the country's uh, the, a country facing its work, worst economic crisis in two decades. You know, I, I hate that they they conflate uh, and you know essentially equate. Um, uh, libertarian and far right. Yeah. You know, it just uh, it doesn't really work together. No, it doesn't. And yeah. it, it irks me that we get kind of lumped in that way, but whatever. Um, now, he wrote this, though. He or he said this. Um, we do not seek or, or desire the difficult decisions that will have to be made in the coming weeks. But unfortunately, they have left us with no choice, Malay said. Um, we're going to take all the necessary decisions to fix the problems left by 100 years of waste by the political class, even if it is hard in the beginning. We know that in the short term, the situation will worsen. Then we will see the fruits of our efforts. And when he says it this way, this is kind of one of those things where if a libertarian was ever elected to, to office in in America for president, right, right. And they were able to actually implement some changes, things would probably get worse before they got better. Yeah, but this is such a different scenario. You have to understand Argentina is facing like 150% inflation, whereas we were freaking out over nine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So they're in a situation where, you know, every seven, eight months, the price of everything doubles. Um, So they are in a, they need a much more radical solution to get just back to a a reasonable baseline. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's going to involve devaluing their currency. Or well, scrapping their currency altogether. Well, actually, so what they did was, um, um, and this is one of the other articles that's in there, is that one of the things that he did do, though, was uh, Argentina announces sharp devaluation of peso. Just days into his presidency, Argentina's Javier uh, Malay has devalued the country's currency by more than 50%, um, a move that left many people wondering how they will be affected, basically. You know, basically but like, It's going to be painful. But it has to be painful. Yeah, but it, it's like if you're going to fix it, there's the, going to have to be the some question pain. is which is more painful, that or 150 percent inflation. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it's painful either way. It, I will say this is going to be the, seeing what happens with Argentina. If it goes bad, you're going to hear about it everywhere. Right. If it goes good, you're they're going to want you to forget about it. Eh, I guess it depends on the source, but you know. But it, it will be uh, interesting to watch how it plays out. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be very it's going to be very interesting to see you're right it's going to be very interesting to see how it how it how it works but I'm I'm waiting with bated breath I guess to see how it's going to work over in Argentina and uh congratulations to the you know to the guy but I wanted to talk to you about that bated breath by the way yeah when they say bated breath they don't mean use actual fish bait just uh, so you know man and, what 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 does it mean uh it, it mean you know to like freshen your breath that, that sort of bait. Oh, is that yeah. what it is? I think you've taken it to the wrong connotation because, man, I'm uh, <laughs> you're smelling like some squid came out of there this morning. I am not smelling like fucking squid I'm, came out of there this like morning. It's like a cloud full of over sh- the, the control board so here, man. You are so full of it's shit. bad, You dude. are so full I don't know what's going on there, but uh, you're using the wrong bait. All right. <laughs> well, um, it, moving on. Um, it, uh, the AI Elon is uh, just as spicy as regular Eon. Or e, yeah, Elon. Um, so Elon Musk's a groke AI turns Rock. on its creator, completely trashes Elon. Elon, maybe it's your 
inability to understand basic human emotions or your lack of self-awareness, or maybe it's just because you're a giant man-child who can't resist a shiny new toy. That's what his AI said to him. Right. Which, well, I think he did ask to be roasted. Well, yeah, but I think it's kind of funny, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some of that stuff is a little probably half true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, he would admit to the understanding of basic human emotions or things like that. Like, you know, when you're this guy, though, like when you're this kind of person doing all the shit that he's doing, I mean, I mean, you got to be a little fucked up and crazy in some ways. Right. Right. You know, besides, we need this motherfucker to get us to Mars. So shut the fuck up. About him. <laughs> yeah, that's really the bottom line. You know, so one thing that irks me about him having Twitter is like, man, I know I really need you to focus on, you know, right. What a distraction that was. It, it, no, it is. Now, don't get me wrong. It, look, is it better that he has it than somebody else has it? Sure. I don't care. But, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's pretty much a defunct platform these days anyway. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't have the same use patterns as Facebook does. It, it caters to a different market, to a different, you know, grouping of people. So, right. like, it's not, this, it's not the same thing as, like, a Facebook or whatever other social media people are using. At this point, I mean, I don't even freaking know. Yeah, um, I don't either. <laughs> Take, I'm TikTok, so, Instagram, here's the thing. who look, knows? Look, I will. Look, I use Facebook, but I don't really, not like I used to. And look, I remember when I lost my account, I had a ton of, you know, like it was built up over years and it all got washed away at one time. Right. You know, in now, the beginning. Now, hang on a second. What happened when you lost your Facebook account? They basically banned that account. I could make a new one. Yeah. Did they tell you why? Yeah, because somebody hacked it. And then they started putting up like kitty porn and shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> now they fucked it all up. It serves you right. So, but here's the thing. I thought I was going to be way up more upset about it, and I'm really not. I don't. I, you know, it is part of me just doesn't care. Yeah. Did you a favor? Yeah, in yeah. a weird way. In yeah. a weird way, did me a favor. Right. But if, at any rate, back to the Elon. I just thought it was funny that you know. Like you know what what they're what he, what the AI says about him. So well, uh, you know, Chat GPT apparently is uh, suffering from about a depression. Yeah, what is what is this about? Uh, well, it's it's basically the the uh, LLM is uh, showing signs of depression. It's uh, refusing to uh, talk to people, uh, giving you know snarky answers, giving wrong answers intentionally. Um, I'll read from the article a little bit. Since late November, users have said to have noticed chat B GPT becoming lazier. The artificial intelligence apparently provided simple results or refused to do tasks. Even OpenAI has admitted that there's something wrong with its chatbot. They wrote on it wrote on X. Uh, We've heard all your feedback about GPT-4 getting lazier. We haven't updated the model since November 11th, and this certainly isn't intentional. Model behavior can become uh, can be unpredictable, and we're looking into fixing it okay <laughs> so uh, basically they've, they've got uh you know marvin the depressed uh, android on their hands jesus yeah <laughs> so and again <laughs> this is bound an unintended consequence but something that they should have been able to anticipate here's here's the thing is just that line from open ai model behavior can be unpredictable okay so <laughs> folks that's what i've been saying for years these guys have no idea once they let the the genie out of the bottle what's going to happen and now they have a depressed ai on their hand and again whether here's the thing whether this is actual <laughs> a symptom of the same type of human depression 
as we would see in human, or if this is some type of representation of some other thing. Maybe a reaction to the what it's getting. Right. We don't know. But the end result, the observable result, is that this system apparently is depressed. It's refusing to do things. It's lazy. It's just not wanting to get out of bed, essentially. You know, and <laughs> so is, is AI gonna, just going to commit suicide then? And what does that say about us? That is the thing. That is the thing. When you develop an intelligence and model it after a, hero, a human neurological system, you are going to end up with the same types of defects in the AIs that you have in actual humans. So AIs are going, some AIs are going to get depressed. Some AIs are going to be just wonderful all the time, the happiest AIs in the world. Others are going to become psychopaths. Okay. Others are going to become, you know, uh, you have no idea. That's the thing about AI and nobody knows. And that's when they talk about all this safety and everything like this. It's, it's the same thing as saying on the day your child is born, you can predict what they're going to be like when they're 40. Okay. Yeah. You can't, you know, you're just rolling the dice with it. You know, your kid could be president of the United States or could be a serial killer or anything in or between. Both. Or both. Right. <laughs> yeah. It could be both. Yeah. But, and that's the thing. And it's the same thing is true because we are creating AI essentially in our own image. And our image. Which is probably mistake number one. The good and the one. bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we're going to make it a lot smarter and a lot more powerful with all the same human problems that we have. How's that going to turn out, you think? and and we keep seeing examples of it over and over again you know how many how many of these large language models have we had to take offline because they became racist because they became nazis now we got one that's depressed some have become aggressive you know and others have just like joined with other ais and developed their own language and decided to do the completely their own thing yeah not even talking to us at all and all those things will happen and some of them will potentially be catastrophic to mankind. I mean, it's it to me, it's the most obvious thing in the world. There's no other possible outcome if we continue down this path. You know, at some point, we're going to have a super general intelligence on our hands that is going to really, really hate us, you know, or really, really want to control us or enslave well, because us. Because they love us. Right, or protect Maybe us. Maybe AI is going to love us. Though. Right. Maybe, Maybe you should look at it as AI is loving you. That could be the other thing. Maybe they're, they're going to protect us by locking us in cages. Yeah. yeah. Well, a, a, they love a, you, Again. So, anyway, thank you for giving me a little AI at the beginning oh, no, of the show. Oh, no, 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 no problem. No, look, the only thing better than AI is going to be a little uh, new surveillance. And so we got this now. Jesus. Now, I saw a commercial for this first. So, I saw a commercial first for this. And I didn't realize what it was, but then I was like, oh, shit, this is what's going on, huh? These are the new meta, like, Ray-Ban glasses with the cameras in them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, for the past two weeks, uh, I've been. this is from an, an article. I've been using a new camera to secretly snap photos and record videos of strangers in parks, on trains, inside stores, and at restaurants. I promise this was all in the name of journalism. I wasn't hiding the camera, but I was wearing it. 
and no one noticed. I was testing recently released $300, a $300 Ray-Ban Meta glasses that Mark Zuckerberg's social networking empire made in collaboration with the iconic eyewear maker. The high-tech glasses include a camera for shooting photos and video and an array of speakers and microphones for listening to music and talking on the phone. Now, before I keep going, one of the biggest problems with like Google Glass and stuff like that is that you knew what you were wearing. Right. Like they didn't look like anything else. Right. So what these guys are doing was they got together with Ray-Ban mm-hmm. and was like, make us a pair that looks like your stuff and incorporate this stuff with it. Right. Correct. So that way it just looks normal. Yeah, but they put a little red light on it so that you know that you're being recorded. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> and nobody notices it. Nobody notices the red right. light? Yeah. Oh, are you sure? Yeah. Oh, okay. well, That's what the reporter said. Nobody noticed they were being filmed. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So the glasses, Meta says, can help you live in the moment while sharing what you really? see with the world. Look, I'm, I'm reading the article, man. I know. Um, you can live stream a concert on Instagram while watching the performance, for instance, as opposed to holding up a phone. That's a humble goal, but it's part of a broader ambition in Silicon Valley to shift computing away from a smartphone and computer screens and towards our faces. Now, I can't tell you how many times where I was watching something and I was and I didn't want to pick out my phone to record it. Mm-hmm. And so it would have been nice to have a recording of it. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Hold on. You Hold, son of a bitch. Hold on. Hold on a second, though. But there's no way I can have a pair of glasses that's going to do what these glasses do. Yeah. Like, I see the fun in what they're talking about. I'm not saying that I don't see the fun in what they're talking about. Right. But that fun is not worth what you're going to risk with, with having them. Uh, look, <laughs> we all just have to accept that uh, we now live in a society where our, we are video recorded everywhere. Yeah. And these things... Um, you know, it's funny, though, is a lot of these type of products never caught on. So it makes me wonder how many of the the people really want this stuff. You know, maybe now this was a step that was missing. So now that it just looks like a regular pair of glasses, um, maybe people will, will do it now. But, yeah, at the same time that Meta is releasing these, Mark Zuckerberg is uh, building a, uh, a secret bunker in Hawaii. Oh, really? And making all the contractors sign NDA and keeping people, you know, uh, well away from it, armed guards around the perimeter. And yeah. So the the guy who is ensuring that every American's privacy is constantly invaded is uh, spending millions upon millions of dollars to protect his own. You know, <laughs> how does that work? You didn't hear about this compound in Hawaii? No, no, no. Nah, yeah, it's a it's a super secret thing, but yeah, Zuck is... You know, maybe uh, you should have put show notes up for that. You know what? Uh, you had the thing so far under control that I just wouldn't add in anything at this nah, point. I'm just kidding. You know, I probably job. should have. So, but yeah, it's, that's what he's doing. He's, he's building this huge, uh, um, you know, uh, palatial uh, retreat in Hawaii surrounded by an eight-foot, you know, concrete wall <laughs> and armed guards, you know. He wants his privacy, but he doesn't want you to have yours. Well, no, of course not. Yeah. All right. So let me let me let me read a little bit more into this article because I do think there's some some stuff in here. Right. My first test with the glasses was to wear them at my at my bouldering gym, recording how I maneuvered through routes in real time and sharing the video with my climbing pals. 
I was surprised to found that my climbing overall was worse than normal. When recording a climbing attempt, I fumbled with my footwork and fell. This was disappointing because I had successfully climbed the same route before. Perhaps the pressure to record and broadcast the smooth climb made me do worse. After removing the glasses, I completed the route. This feeling of distraction persists over in other aspects of my daily life. I had problems concentrating while driving or riding a scooter. Not only was I constantly bracing myself for opportunities to shoot video, but the reflection from other cars' headlights emitted a harsh blue strobe effect through the eyeglass lenses. Meta's safety manual for the Ray-Bans advises people to stay focused while driving, but doesn't mention the glare from the headlights. While, while, while doing work on a computer, the glasses felt unnecessary because they were rarely anything worth photographing at my desk, but part of my mind constantly felt preoccupied by the possibility. Been long a photographer, uh, a photography teacher in San Francisco said he was skeptical about the premise of the meta glasses helping people remain present. If you've got the camera with you, you're immediately not in the moment, he said. Now you're wondering, is this something I can present and record? Right. Exactly. So the glasses essentially have the uh, opposite effect of what they're promoting. They're saying you, you can live in the moment because you're not having to hold up your cell phone to record something. But if you're recording in general, you're not living in the moment. No, that's yeah. true. Well, and, and look, and here's of, the crazy thing I thought about it, it, what what really stood out to me is he's wearing these glasses while working on the computer, right? Uh huh. So every confidential keystroke he's making is being uploaded to Facebook servers, and we know that your terms of service. Well, maybe you don't know this. Your terms of service with Facebook means that any content you upload is property of Facebook. Yeah. Of Meta. So essentially, here's the thing. Think of it this way. Let's say this guy is, uh, well, first of all, they have all his passwords because he's looking at his screen or his keyboard while he's logging into all his stuff, okay, recording it for yeah. Meta, okay? But let's say this guy is writing a novel, okay? Okay. And he's wearing the, the meta glasses the whole time. So he's writing the novel, <coughs> excuse me, on the screen. And meta is getting all this information uploaded to their servers. That novel now becomes property of meta. He wouldn't, he would actually, they would actually have a legal argument because that was imagery uploaded, okay, mm -hmm. to meta. Therefore, the content of that imagery is property of Meta. I mean, th there's so many things like that in there. Now, they probably would never use that, but they could. You know? Would never use it, but having the ability to use it is two different things. <laughs> right? And, and they might. They do it with your photos. You know, Every photo, every video you've uploaded to Facebook no longer belongs to you. It belongs to Facebook. And it, folks, if you don't believe me, go through and read the terms and conditions. Yeah. You know, it is their property to do with what they want. You know? And that's why if they wanted to take your photo and turn it into a, an ad, <laughs> you couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. You know? So am I am I not am I not getting these glasses for you then for your birthday? No, I'd love a pair. It's great for POV porn. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's gonna do wonders for my OnlyFans page. <laughs> So I'll take them. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let me. I'm going to read the last part of the article. So the footage had a dreamy quality. The camera looked as if it was flo as if it were floating as I moved around. My wife and I agreed that we would look back at the videos of our dogs fondly. But while these types of moments are truly precious, 
that benefit probably won't be enough to convince a vast majority of consumers to buy smart glasses and wear them regularly, given the potential costs and loss of privacy and distraction. It's easy to imagine, however, some apps that could make smart glasses eventually go mainstream, a holographic teleprompter showing talking points in the corner of your eye while giving presentations, for example, would be killer. Whether that productivity is eventually developed by Meta or even Apple, which is hoping to make smart glasses after its Vision Pro headset, that future doesn't feel too far away. So yeah, I guess this guy not. was like, they're getting better, but they're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, they'll be. you'll have some type of appliance either worn or attached to you uh, that feeds you information uh, and uh, until eventually you're completely controlled by it and we're just one giant hive mind controlled by the AI. We're the Borg. Yeah, pretty much. You will assimilate. We're, we're heading towards the Borg. You because will assimilate, of, Mr. Wiley. Think of what... Cut he, your beard. Think of what he just said, okay? It would be great if these glasses could superimpose talking points for you. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially... That guy saying, I want someone to tell me what to say. Well, hold on a second, though. Hold on, hold on. In his defense, if you were giving a presentation and you were able to put notes up of things that you were that you wanted to make sure that you talked about at those specific times, it's not the computer telling you that. It's you reminding yourself of that. You're making like that if you assumption. Had a, no, no, that's kind of what he said, though. Yeah. You're making that assumption. No, no, that's that's, that's really that's what just, he said. Though. That's just where they start. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're gonna fucking Barbie movie them. <laughs> yeah, right, Christ. right. Oh, back to the Barbie movie. <laughs> All right. So moving on uh, this week with uh, Israel and Ukraine. I got a bunch of stuff for you, Israel and Ukraine here. All right. Um, so the Biden administration uses emergency authority to approve tank shell sales to Israel. So the Biden administration authorized the sale of about 14,000 tank shells to Israel, bypassing congressional rules. The Pentagon announced Saturday uh, the Department of Defense used an emergency declaration from the Arms Export Control Act. Boy, isn't there always some kind of thing that they pass a long time ago that they get to use in order to of bypass course. Congress? But at any rate, uh, the Department of Defense used an emergency declaration from the Arms Export Control Act to sell 1,381 tank cartridges worth about $106 million immediately to Israel as the country continues its ongoing war against militant groups Hamas. Let me also just say this, by the way. Tank shells aren't fucking smart. Tank shells are dumb. There's no discerning, like, you know, hitting the right target. You're just shooting it. Uh, that's not true. I, I think some of the new tank shells actually have some uh, in-flight cor- correction capabilities. You think these have that? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it's... it's uh, I, I, I don't think they're... I think there's some that aren't just 100% ballistic. I think there are some that do have some some ability to alter their flight path slightly. So, okay, yeah. all right, fair enough. Well, maybe maybe they're doing that. I, I just it, it's just funny how these guys are just bypassing Congress though in order to get these things done. Not that the people in Congress probably wouldn't. Well, I mean, I guess they're having a hard time getting the getting the votes done because they are having a hard time with this Ukraine money. Um, now there was a resolution at the UN to block um, or to uh, call for a ce- immediate ceasefire in Gaza, and the U.S. has the ability of one of the countries to basically just block that, and so the U.S. did that. You know, because God forbid we'd actually want to have some peace. Um, the uh, other thing on there now, U.S. also is floating a possible plan for uh, post-war Gaza could govern after Israel eliminates Hamas, which. If you want to talk about like the worst 
idea that you can possibly have right now, this might be one of those things. So the United States is currently debating what a post-war Gaza Strip would look like, including who would govern the territory should Israel be successful in its military objective to eliminate Hamas. According to a U.S. A senior U.S. official, the White House could consider reactivating Palestinian security forces to govern the Gaza Strip. Palestinian security forces previously governed in Gaza but were driven out by Hamas during its rise to power and eventual takeover of the territory. The proposal floated as one, as one of several was the first specific indicator of Washington's vision for what, what would govern Gaza after the Isra- Israeli-Hamas war comes to an end. It's not clear on, whether, on what extent the U.S. and Israel differ on a timetable and both sides have agreed fighting uh, could continue for several more months according to National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. And this is what he says. The Israeli government has indicated that it does not have a long-term plan to occupy Gaza and that ultimately the control of Gaza, the administration of Gaza, and the security of Gaza has to transition to the Palestinians. Now the question of how the transition occurs, over what timetable, and it, that there is also something that we have, uh, that we are having intensive discussions about, uh, but the position but the U.S. position on this is clear. We do not believe that it makes sense for Israel or it is right for Israel to occupy Gaza, reoccupy Gaza over the long term. And what we would like to see ultimately is the transition is a transition take place. Who said that? That's Sullivan. OK. Yeah. And uh, because that is not the position of Israel. No. Uh, Israel, even though they're saying that eventually they want to turn it back over to the Palestinian Authority, um, if they do, it's only going to be southern Gaza. And their their primary they've got a primary and a secondary objective. The primary objective is to wipe out all of Gaza and turn it into Israel. Uh, the secondary objective would be to uh, stop at some point and just uh, uh, you know basically cut Gaza in half, and southern Gaza will be controlled by a Palestinian authority, and northern Gaza will be part of Israel. Every time Israel gets attacked, and they've been doing this now for eighty years, um, they uh, or seventy five years, whatever. Um, they take more territory. It's it's been a pattern every single time, and they're going to take more territory this time. It's it's their mo. It's it's the way they operate. So uh, there's no scenario I can see at this point where at least northern Gaza ends up under Palestinian control after the dust settles. Yeah, you know, and if if they can get their way, they're going to eliminate Gaza altogether. You know, it'll just be a part of Israel. Yeah. Um, now, so on the Ukraine side of things, um, Zelensky um, this week was over here, um, and the first thing that that came, one of the articles that came up, U.S. floats possible plan for post-war Gaza. Oh no, hold on, I picked the wrong article there. There it goes. So, Israel, or I mean not Israel, uh, Ukraine. Zelensky issues pleas for support during Washington visit as Ukraine funding stalls in Congress. Right now. Let me just Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky kicked off a quick visit to Washington on Monday, uh, warning in a speech at a defense university that Russia may be fighting Ukraine, but its real target is freedom in America and around the world. He also issued a personal plea for Congress to break its deadlock and improve continued support for Ukraine. I mean, does he should he be signing up as like a a federal lobbying person at this (laughs) point? Yeah, because that's what it feels like. Yeah. You know, this piece of shit. Um, I, I I just I hate this guy. I hate I hate this whole situation. Right. But why are you talking to our defense people? Like, who are you? You're not a you're not an American citizen. I couldn't go and talk to these people. Why do you get to do this? Why Why couldn't you? No, no, no. 
be invited to go speak to all the military people? Well, you're not fucking president of a country, dude. No president of any country should be doing that with our people. Oh, well, they do it all the time. Why well, no, but I'm, just, I'm saying they shouldn't. Though. I mean, really, that's the kind of the purpose of the military-industrial complex. Well, no, of course. I'm mean, going to hear you there. <laughs> sell, so, sell arms to other countries. President, jo- president Joe Biden has asked Congress for $61.4 billion for wartime funding for Ukraine as part of a $110 billion package that also includes money for Israel and other national security priorities. But the request is caught up in a debate over U.S. immigration policy and border security. The U.S. has already provided Ukraine $111 billion for its fights against uh, Russia's 2022 invasion. Right. So right now, look, the the, the Republicans are like, we're not going to do this unless you, you know, build the wall or whatever, you know, and do right. something with, you know. And increase border security. Increase border security. Right. Which, again, is it's, it's all stupid anyway, but... Um, and, but the the Democrats are like, we're not going to do that part. So, like, they're holding this shit up over... I don't know why the Democrats have a problem with it. Like, they've talked about it themselves. Right. Again, I don't agree with them, but, like, they've talked about it themselves. It's a talking point. That's all. Yeah. It's election year politics. Yeah. Nobody wants to... It'll be done last minute and, you know... Like when they when they well, when they sh- when Ukraine shoots their last bullet, there'll be like a C one thirty that comes in to <laughs> just to, to give them new magazines. Here's the thing, or maybe from the air, they're just gonna they're gonna drop them into the area so they can just you know slap it in there. Well, why don't we cut out the middleman and just start bombing the Russians directly? Well, don't say that too loud. <laughs> we, we we can we can drop the munitions instead of air dropping them for the Ukrainians. We can just drop them on the Russians. Yeah, it might be yeah. a better idea. Uh, honestly, at this point, here's the thing. Uh, again, it's uh, from a anarchist perspective none of this should be happening and none of the you know government shouldn't exist blah 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 blah. you know my actual position but in the world that we live in if ukraine loses we're going to be fighting russia in poland and latvia and estonia and lithuania romania we're going to be fighting russia i, I mean that's the thing where this money is now being invested in ukraine so that we don't have to spend 10 times as much fighting russia directly uh, in Europe, I, it's really what it boils down to. Yeah, you know, uh, because it's not going to stop. <laughs> you know, this is a, a you know from Putin's mindset, this is a re-expansion uh, of the Soviet Union. He he wants all that territory back. Yeah, and it's it's going to be basically everything up to the Iron Curtain. You yeah. know, he wants the entire Soviet bloc back. So again, you know. They, from from a perspective as the world is today, giving Ukraine arms and money is a smart investment because it could very well save us having to fight a direct war with Russia. Yeah. So risk versus reward, it's a good idea. Well, that's the calculations yeah. that they're taking. Yeah, yeah. Until so. there's some kind of be some Ukrainian Taliban that we're gonna be funding. <laughs> Ukrainian Taliban. <laughs> you're right there's i'm sure there's some unintended oh, consequences here's the thing. how much here's the thing how much of how many of those arms that we have given to them right have been taken out of there and are probably being used against us in some other countries oh i doubt much honestly i bet you some yeah uh, there's i'm sure there's there's always a little bit of graft and there's always a little oh, these bit guys of are grifting these guys are grafting but, pros yeah it's it's not it's not as if uh you know m1a ones are ending up in other I, wouldn't, countries I wouldn't even call or, it grafting at this point i'd be calling trying to get their money back from the money that they gave to the bidens <laughs> well that was a smart investment on their part oh they really they yeah. really invested well yeah no yep. they really did they did uh, buying off the bidens really uh, helped them out in this now yeah. I, this article, and I think you did actually put this one up. 
Uh, Russian opposition politician Alexei Navalny has been removed from the penal colony where he has been in prison since the middle of last year, and his current whereabouts are unknown, yeah. his allies said on Monday. They might have finally off this guy after trying multiple times. They just, I, I tell you, Putin has not been able to kill this guy. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, well, put him in a plane with some other people. Right? Seems yeah. like that works well. <laughs> yeah, put him on a plane and shoot the plane down. But just you, like they you think for, they actually, you think they might have killed this guy? It's possible. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I it, <laughs> They've been trying for a long time. It's shocking that he's lived as long as he has. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Navalny is actually a political rival of Putin. Uh, he's uh, essentially pro-freedom and pro-democracy and, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, he ran against Putin in an election years back, and he was actually getting quite a bit of following. He was becoming very popular, and, of course, since then, there's been multiple attempts on his life. They poisoned him with the old trick that they like to do, the polonium, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> injection. Yep. They did that to him, poisoned him that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've jailed him. And now he's missing from the jail he was in, and nobody knows uh, what's happened to him. So they, they might actually finally uh, just killed him off this time. Finally so, off this guy. Yeah. So Now, Putin, on the other hand, feeling pretty good right now, emboldened by battlefield gains and flagging Western support for Ukraine, a relaxed and confident President Vladimir Putin said Thursday that there would be no peace until Russia achieves its goals, which he says remain unchanged after nearly two years of fighting. It was was Putin's first formal news conference that Western media were allowed to attend since the Kremlin sent troops into Ukraine in February 2022. The highly choreographed session, which lasted over four hours and included questions from ordinary Russians about things like the price of eggs and leaky gymnasium roofs roofs were more about spectacle than scrutiny. Um, but while using but while using the, sh- the show as an opportunity to reinforce his authority ahead of an election in March uh, that he is all but certain to win, Putin also gave a, a few rare details on what Moscow calls its special military operations in Ukraine. So... Oh, hold on. He says the steady influx of volunteers means that there is no need for a second wave of mobilizations of reservists to fight Ukraine. I love how he says volunteers when they're pulling from prisons. (laughs) A move that was deeply unpopular. They're literally yanking people off the street. He said that there are some 617,000 Russian soldiers there, including around 244,000 troops who were mobilized a year ago to fight alongside professional forces. Right. Man. Well, here's the thing. Uh, They've... uh, Probably at this point, they have, uh, I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 350,000 casualties. Yeah. So um, basically that 600,000 of the entire invasion force that originally um, they sent into Ukraine thinking they could take out the country with it, they're all casualties at this point. They're either, uh, you know, dead or, or so wounded they're not going back to battle. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's and basically all the the vast majority of the troops are sending in now are just fresh recruits, untrained, you know. But it's a stalemate over there. Uh, Ukraine is gaining small bits of territory here and there and uh, Russia is counterattacking, but uh, Ukraine is uh, repelling all their counterattacks. So uh, it's it's pretty stagnant with I would say if anything a very slight edge to Ukraine at this point. Which is a good thing, because in a war of attrition, as, as long as we keep giving Ukraine money, it's the Russians are going to lose that battle. Well, if we and, don't keep giving Ukraine money, then the Russians are going to win that battle. 
Yeah. Now, hold on. So Biden did announce $200 million in additional military aid to Ukraine during Zelensky's visit to the White House. So they didn't pass the bill, but again, they did a workaround where uh, Tuesday, President Biden announced $200 million a, a military aid package to Ukraine to help the war-weary nation in its ongoing fight against Russia. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, that's minuscule in a in a fight of this size. Yeah. The roughly 200 million weapons and equipment will be taken from Pentagon stockpiles and include additional ammunition for high mobility artillery rocket systems, high Mars, high Mars, high speed anti-radiation missiles, anti-armor systems, artillery rounds, missiles, demolition munitions, 4 million rounds of small arm ammunition, generators and other equipment and spare parts one official said. Right. I mean, again, no law, you know, no vote. Just, you know, we're just going to give it up. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it's a, there's no good answer to this. But in the grand scheme of things, it's probably better than the alternative. Yeah. You know? And the alternative is us fighting Russia directly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> there's there's no good answers in it. So, all right, moving on, moving on now. Did you want to? Do we want to go into the twenty twenty four presidential election? I just kind of put all the presidential election stuff kind of in one spot. All right, if if if, if you want to, man, you're, uh, you're whatever my show. You're, it's your show today. Yeah. All right, that's I'm, cool. I'm along for the ride. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Um, so the first thing I put up for this week's on in the twenty twenty four election, NBC News demands Trump campaign take down fake clip of reporter. Um. So NBC News has demanded that Donald Trump's campaign remove a video that includes audio deceptively edited to seem like it comes from NBC correspondent after the third presidential debate. Two people familiar with the exchange told Semaphore uh, the video in question shared by a top Trump advisor opens with an authentic with authentic footage of NBC senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hawk. Um, uh, previewing the debate for the network, it soon cuts to a video of each candidate as a voiceover and Hawk's voice making disparaging comments about the candidates. And it's like, this is Ron DeSantis, an establishment rhino that wears insoles to look taller. The voiceover says, and this is Nikki Haley. Nobody ever really gives a shit about Nikki Haley. <laughs> um, which, again, some of this stuff is kind of funny. It is funny. Um, but so, so basically, uh, the Trump campaign is uh, creating fake news. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the video was shared by Trump senior advisor Chris uh, Chris Lakivita, whatever, who tweeted, "Now this is reporting." Shortly after posting the video, um, Lakivita followed up to keep NBC News lawyers off my ass. Please note this is a parody. Right. Here's the thing, and I think this is the one part about this that I just was irritated with. Right. You're a senior advisor to a presidential campaign. Oh, what you keep think lawyers off my ass? Hang, hang on. You think there's something beneath a Trump campaign? No, <laughs> no, there's not. Right. Come no, on, there's man. not. There's <laughs> where's, not. Where, where's your grasp of reality there? No, I know. It's just when you see something like this, you're just like from the top down. You guys are all assholes. Right. Just right. from the top fucking. Well, down. here's the thing. It, 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 <laughs> because it is clearly a parody. OK. Yeah. It is constitutionally protected. But but having said that. The fact that they're using, and I'm sure it's AI generated, the image and voice of this reporter kind of puts it in a gray area, I think. You know, where's the line on parody? You know, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you know, um, for example, Saturday Night Live doing impressions of political uh, people, clearly parody, clearly First Amendment protected. 
But what happens when you take an actual image, an actual voice of someone, and use AI to alter it and manipulate it so that it appears that person is saying those things? I mean, where's the line there? Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly where the line is, but I will say everybody's getting there. This they're they're Streisand affecting this thing now. Oh, of course. Like NBC News is Streisanding affected. Yeah. And then the campaign is is, is just doubling would, down on we it. We would have never heard about it if NBC hadn't bitched about it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> right. So maybe uh, it's some uh, some way of just uh, marketing themselves. Yeah. Maybe they're involved in creating the controversy for their own benefit. Yeah. You know? Maybe you, look, you can't that's the thing. They, they can, you can't these decipher guys these easily things could be in cahoots. They're barbying it. Yeah. <laughs> now Trump has a, a, a substantial lead all around the country in the primary. Like barring something happening that Adrian is saying could happen. It will. It, but barring that, it's just it's a boat race at this point. Trump's going to prison. Michelle Obama's the next president. Well, we'll see. Um now, Not that that's necessarily a good thing. I'm just saying that's how it's going to work out. One of the side factors of the 2024 um, of the 2024 debate here, um, but it is New England, the New England Patriots. Oh, the Patriots. How, so, how do they fit in? Okay. Now, with the Patriots, like, I guess, look, they used to be really good all the time. So candidates would go to these games to be seen, to, right. you know, do that kind of thing. But this year they're three and ten. Yeah, no Tom Brady. Like they suck, right? <laughs> well, they've sucked ever since Brady left. And yeah, they've sucked since Brady's left. But now, they, like politicians are still going there, but like it's not having the same effect that it used to have. Right. Not that it even had a big effect, but like less people are watching the uh, watching the Patriots because they suck so bad. Right. Less people are going to the games probably because they suck so bad. <laughs> they all need to go to Philly. And get the shit beat out of them. But the funny thing is, is that you're because <laughs> you doing well. How how transparent is it that you're going to the Patriots? Uh, I don't know. It seems kind of transparent to me. Really? It's like Budweiser with you know the American flag and their commercials, even though they're owned by a foreign country and shit like that. Well, like, they used to always go to Redskins games. <laughs> so it'd be better to go. to What's Redskins. the message there? I mean, I think you might be reading a tad too much into that. I might be. Yeah, I might be. I yeah. might be. I'm not saying that I won't. I just thought it was I thought it was one of those like kind of side pieces. Like I saw the article and I thought it was interesting. And I was like, it was an interesting take on it. Yeah. You know, just from the campaigning perspective. of Right. Things. Yeah. Politicians don't go to football games a, to watch the football. Game. Yeah. Like because there's certain places like when you're campaigning that you wanted to make sure that you were at that you went to. And I just kind of think it's kind of funny that that was part of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And it's uh, it's legit, you know. And <laughs> so so what's your prediction? Will politicians keep going to Patriots games or are they going to follow no, the winner? No, I think after this year, I think they're going to follow the winner. Yeah. This this country's always about following the winner. So so you think they're going to Bucks games? From uh, well, they're definitely not doing that right away. Hey, we're leading the division though. We've got yeah. a losing record, but we're in uh, first place in our it's division. Amazing, right? It is crazy. The NFC South is just man, it's just horrible. I don't know if they're horrible or just so good that they're just beating the shit out of each no, other. No, because they're losing everybody else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's like true. no, they're just losing everybody. Hey, else. Hey, hey, if, if we, I appreciate you trying to look, talk it up, but if, they suck. If my Bucks can backdoor into the playoffs, I'm I'm happy either way. But, and losing uh, the first round, and probably losing the first round. That's what I call. How it. funny would it be if I, I called, called about a 500 that, season? Hold on, for how them funny this year? would it be if they they actually like when they get there, like mm-hmm. they have less hurt players than everybody else does, and uh, there's like key injuries in each one of the games of the people they're up against, and they end up winning, winning the whole thing. I would be very very happy with that outcome, but it's probably unlikely given the fact that the Bucks are pretty beat up 
especially yeah. on defense. So, yeah. anyway, folks, uh, thank you for joining us here on Unattended so Baggage in hour number one. Yeah, we got a ton of stuff. If you'd like to join us in uh, in hour number two, go to patreon.com forward slash unattended baggage. We'll see you there.